Good morning, everybody, on Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, how many are going to watch the Super Bowl? Okay, how many, uh, uh, how many Bengals fans do we have in the room? Okay, one woo. How, how many Rams fans do we have in the room? Uh, well, what, same, the same person that wooed, wooed both times. That was it. So, wow, well, we got, we, we got, a, we got, we got an owl in the house. That's all we got. That's all we found out. Uh, how many of y'all just want to see a good football game? How many of y'all are just for the food? How many, how many, just for the, there we go. Okay, come on, I'm with y'all right there. Well, you know, it's just a game. But, you know, it's interesting, huh, how much in our culture, uh, how much attention is on this one event, right? And uh, uh, not only the money and the, what is it, $7 million for a 30-second ad or something like that now? Something like that, and, and uh, uh, destinies will be made today, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of happiness, a lot of sadness. Uh, isn't it isn't it kind of ironic though that people would put so much attention or so much our whole culture on what happens on one day? So let me encourage you: don't whatever's happened to you, whatever you're going through. If it's been a great day, praise the Lord. If it's been a crazy, awful day, come on, the sun's going to shine tomorrow. Come on, God's still going to be God tomorrow. So it might look bad right now, even like what we know from the scripture, that even after three days, Jesus rose. Come on, everybody. They counted him out, but he rose from the dead. So you've got resurrection power working on the inside of you right now. So it's never, ever over. Can somebody say Amen. Amen. We're in a series of lessons that has been said already a couple times today about miracles. We're going to wind up today. This is our last uh, lesson. Uh, we could probably teach for, you know, week after week, month after month, but we'll move on next week. But uh, just kind of buttoning everything up, uh, looking at different types of miracles and things we see in the scripture. Uh, we, we've talked about miracles in families. We've talked about the overall overarching ability of God to work signs, wonders, and miracles in your and my life. He is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. He is not shy or short on power, nor his ability to use it for you in all kinds of and various ways. Uh, we, we've talked about healing miracles a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, just how God can work in bodies and restore bodies. Uh, there was a couple when we were in Canada, we pastored a church for 13 years in Canada, and there was a couple there that this, this event actually happened before we got there. They were telling us of, of, uh, of the event. They had three young boys, and, and one of the boys, uh, they're all you know, rambunks, just like most boys are, and, and they were out skateboarding, and the, the boy actually fell and shattered his arm. His arm was just broken into pieces. This is in British Columbia where we lived. And uh, they took the, 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 you know, screaming and crying. If you've ever been around, and he, my cousin actually fell out of a tree and shattered his arm. And I, I was there when it happened. It was awful, the yelling and the screaming and took him to the hospital. Well, same kind of thing with this boy. And mom and dad were just believing God that, that, that this son that, you know, that was in so much pain and agony that God had just worked a miracle. And, and what's, what's crazy about stuff like we've talked about when it came to healing or miracles and things is that you can't quite figure out sometimes why something happens and then something happens a different way. And with this event, they, they were just believing God and, and trusting God and crying out for mercy for God for their young son. Well, they took him to the x-ray and there, were, there was just, it was shattered. It was just, you know, with those two bones in the forearm were just completely just, just in pieces. And, and, and the, the, the doctor had him on the x-ray and, and showed the, 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 the charred bones and broken bones. And while he was on the x-ray, while they were looking at it, while, while, the, while the visual came back, 
uh, they, they were all in the room, and his arm was on a splint, you know, and, and being steadied. And, and all of a sudden, there was a noise, kind of like Ezekiel 47. There was a and his bones and his arm were instantly healed right in front of the doctor and everybody. And, and these aren't like, come on, you know, these aren't crazy people. These are people that I knew personally. And so when it comes to all kinds of miracles, I just want us to, to just believe, as we've said over these last several weeks, is just that anything is possible. Anything's possible. I don't know how, I don't know why, but, but just our faith is in God, that God could just work miracles. And so let's just lean in again today as we talk about this last thought today. And I wanna, really want to talk about in a very practical way that we see from the scripture. Uh, might be a very challenging way, uh, might stretch some of us in the room, but that's okay. That's what church is all about. I want to talk today about how God can provide miracles in your and my life in a very natural way, in a financial way, in a way that we see God doing something that meets our needs and does exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond just that. Over and over in the scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see the hand of God, we could say the power of God, working towards his people, working with his people, working in his people, in providing for his people. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, where we see the nation of Israel was in bondage for over 400 years. They, they were the people of God. You know, you read Genesis and Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and, 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 and Joseph, and, and we, see, we see the plan of God working with the Bible says, you know, when it kind of finishes off Genesis, then we come to the book of Exodus, and it says the pharaohs didn't remember all the things that Joseph had done. How Joseph had prophesied, remember, seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. And, and the, 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 the nation of uh, the, the Egyptian nation was, was wealthy because of God's prophetic declaration. And, and they didn't remember after all these years later and actually in, 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 impoverished and, and, and bound the people of Israel to, to make mortar and brick and build their cities. And they started crying out to God, and God sent a deliverer. Come on, his name was Moses. Remember, everybody? And through those ten plagues and all that that went on, the Red Sea parting, miraculous signs and wonders, we could talk about all those different things, how God just showed up in his power and his glory in the nation of Israel coming against that wicked nation of Egypt. But then they came into the land of promise, and, and, and it was just different. It was different. God then began feeding them, or God began then uh, giving them, uh, I, I should say first food, uh, manna and quail. He fed them for 40 years. They, they would get water out of a rock. M miraculous, guys. Look, miraculous. God brought them through that. So even as I think Kimberly said a moment ago, somebody said up here, is that God knows how to get what you need when you need it. We, 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 see, the, we, we see this principle over and over in, in the scriptures. But then after the nation of Israel left this miraculous provision where it was all God, it was just all God. They were sojourners in that wilderness for 40 years. Should it take, should it, uh, take them only a couple of, you know, 10 days or two weeks, they say, 
coming across that desert, but it took them 40 years. But all the time, even though they were, they were rebellious, even though they were, the Bible says they were stiff-necked against God, God still took care of them. So you don't have to be perfect for God to say, I'm going to take care of you. You have to have a heart that's directed. For, no, you're not going to get everything right, but your heart's just directed toward him. But when they came into what we know, what the scripture says, the land of promise, in the land of promise, things were going to start changing. It was going to be different. God says this. He says he's going to, he, he would give them houses full of all good things they didn't fill. You're going to plant vineyards, and you're going to dig ore, and you're going to dig iron, and, and you're going to start working the land. You're going to start tilling land. I'm going to give you the land, but you're going to have to start working the land. When they came into that land of promise, after just a few short days, the manna ceased. That miracle flow stopped, and there was going to be another miracle flow, we could say, which was God was going to work with his people. Deuteronomy 8 says some stuff that's just like make your head shake. It says this. It says that God will give you power to get wealth, that he can establish his covenant that he's given to you in the earth. He's given you power. The word power is amazing. It means he's going to give you power, ability, efficiency. He's going to give you ideas. He's going to give you strength in the land that I plant you so that the ability I've given you is going to give you the resources to provide for you and let me be a blessing through you. God's not, in this scenario... God said, I'm not going to do it the way I did it for 40 years. I'm not going to give you water out of a rock. You're going to have to dig a well. I'm not going to bring in food every day. You're going to have to till the land. You're going to have to raise the sheep and the cattle. You're going to have to put your hand to what I've anointed you to do to cause resources to come into your life. Are you all getting this this morning? But then we see this. So here's where it gets a little bit different as well. Because you're never going to be able to put God in a box and figure him out. We know that Elijah the prophet, this is after they've been in the land of promise. This is years of conquest and all kinds of stuff that you can read in the book of Kings. This is kings rising and kingdoms falling. We see that Elijah the prophet, uh, uh, God tells him, go to the brook Cherith. He, he, pr he pronounced the famine in the land. And go to the brook Cherith, and he says, I've, I've, I've caused you to be sustained there. So he goes to the place God told him to go, and the Bible says this something crazy. Again, you, you, can't, you can't believe for this. You, he didn't pray for it. God just told him, you go to where I put you, and I'm going to take care of you. And the Bible said that a bird, a raven, came in twice a day and brought him bread and brought him meat. Twice a day twice a day. It didn't happen before that. It didn't happen after that. But all while he was at that spot, God miraculously supplied for him. After the brook dried up because there was a famine, God told him something else to do. Told him exactly where to go. Go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. He had to go to the exact spot, so there's something about this, people of God. If you are not in the right spot, your supply might be limited. It's very important 
to be in the right occupation. I believe to be with the right people. To, I, just, I believe all that matters to God. I believe the will of God matters in everything. So Elijah goes to Zarephath, and of all the people that he would, God, God would allow to work with God, to be a blessing to the prophet, it was a widow woman. But not just a widow woman. The Bible says she was gathering some sticks, and get, she has a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and she tells the prophet, I'm just gathering a little bit left for me and him because we're getting ready to die. This is, it, there's a famine, everybody's gone, we're the ones that are left per se, there, there's nothing here, we're getting ready to die. And what is the word that God gives the prophet to the woman? Make me a little cake first. Release something from your hand to me first and God will bless the rest. And there was a miraculous supply. All throughout the time of the famine, both the woman who was a widow and her son <laughs> and the prophet Elijah, they were supplied by this miraculous provision. In Elijah's protege, Elisha, something very similar happens. A widow woman comes to Elisha and says, the creditors are coming to take away my sons because my husband, who's now dead, who was one of the sons of the prophet, he had bad debt. Hashtag, there is such a thing as bad debt. Debt that you get yourself in that you can't pay. Interesting side, he's a prophet, he's a man of God, he knows the Bible, but he's bad with money. You can know all the books of the Bible, but be brutal at staying on a budget. Let me tell you what, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean God overlooks bad money principles. It all matters to God. Well, thank God for his mercy. Come on, everybody. Come on, thank God for his mercy. So again, we see the heart of God being merciful to the people of God and God's word from to the prophet Elisha to the woman is this. Go to all your friends around here, all your neighbors, and borrow empty pots or empty vessels. And bring those empty vessels into your house. Shut the door. Don't need to make a scene of it. Don't, don't need to broadcast this. Don't need to go on IG and do a Facebook Live. This is just between me, you, and God. Take all those empty vessels. Get your boys to gather them all. Put them in the house because you got a little bit of oil. Just pour the little bit you got in those empty vessels and keep on pouring. Again, it, the scripture says it was a miraculous supply, that there were empty vessels, and they just kept pouring, and all of a sudden, the boy says, hey, mom, there's no more vessels, and the Bible says the oil stopped. No more vessels, no more opportunity, no more emptying. We could also say, where we all would say, this is all I've got, God. This is all I can do. Then God says, no more oil. You bring me something empty, I'll tell you, I'll fill it. You tell me you got a need to be a blessing to somebody, I'm going to give you some opportunity, some resources. I'm going to give you whatever it is that you need to be a blessing to somebody else. Are you getting this? She tells him, sell the oil. 
Pay your debt, live on the rest. Sell the oil. I'm going to put you in business for a while. Then you're going to be able to pay your bad debt, and you're going to be able to now live on the rest. That's Old Testament. I got thinking, you know, back several weeks ago in, in anticipation to, 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 to be with you today about this. What's it look like? That's Old Testament. But the scripture is real clear. We got a better covenant established upon better promises. We don't live in the Old Testament anymore. We live in the New Testament. But what happened in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Was there anything that we would see any miraculous provision? Anything that, that God did something that we would just say use the word supernatural? I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, you went out and you, you, you got four years at the school, at the college, and you got a degree, and then you got a job, and, and it, it paid the, the wage scale. That, that's not miraculous. Come on, that's just, people do that. We, we might call it miraculous because we know you're not that smart. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but, but, but this stuff we're talking about is miraculous. I, I got thinking about it. At, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and at the end of Jesus' ministry, something similar happened. He's calling his disciples, right? And he goes on the seashore there at the first time in Luke chapter 5. Peter and the guys have been out fishing. They, they, they didn't catch anything all night. Didn't catch anything all night. And in the Sea of Galilee, I've been there. If you've been to Israel, I've been there. It, it's, 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 a, it's a sea that, that's very uh, translucent. You can see quite far down. So the fishermen fish at night because the fish would see the nets. It's daytime. And Jesus is on the seashore, and he tells those guys while they're out there a little bit, he says, just launch out into the deep and just let down your nets. And you know the story. If you've read it, Peter pushes back and says, Jesus, come on. We, we, we've been fishing all night. We didn't catch nothing. And Jesus just says, just let down your nets for a catch. And sure enough, uh, they let down the net in obedience, and there was a supernatural supply. Something very similar happened in John chapter 21. After Jesus went to the cross, after he paid for our sins, after he was then resurrected, Directed before the ascension, before he left the earth for good, uh, the Bible says he was on the, on the seashore and the disciples are out there fishing. Remember, they said, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on. Peter says, I'm going back fishing. And so a bunch of the brothers got in the boat and they're out fishing and the scripture says they caught nothing. And, and Jesus is on the seashore and you read it, it's humorous. Jesus... You talk about miracles. Here's the resurrected Christ. He's got a little you know, cook stove going on down there. He's cooking fish, broiling fish. And he looks out at the brothers out there. And he says, have y'all caught any fish? And they didn't even know who he was. And he said, no. And he says, well, just cast your net on the right side. And they cast their net on the right side. How many know there could be a wrong side? Uh, cast their net on the right side. And the Bible says they had, a, a, again, a net sinking, boat load catching, bunch of fish. Miraculous. Miraculous. Both instances tell us and show us in the New Testament, in the, in the Gospels, let me say this, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus supplied for people. From the beginning of our life, we could say, the beginning of their ministry, until the beginning of Jesus' ministry, to the end of Jesus' ministry, we could see God providing, and it hasn't stopped there. It's still the same. Matthew 17, I know I'm talking a little bit. We'll, we'll get you some scriptures in a minute. I know some of y'all are getting a little bit nervous now here. Matthew 17, Peter's talking to some religious dudes, and they say, hey, uh, does Jesus pay taxes? Does he pay taxes? And then Peter comes to Jesus, and he says, you know, they were asking about if we pay taxes. 
And Jesus said, well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we pay taxes, and here's how we're going to do this. He says, Peter, he says, you go to the sea, and, and you cast your rod and reel in there with your hook, and, and the first fish that comes up that you catch, there's going to be a coin in its mouth. And so he says, take that coin, and he says, pay the taxes for both you and me. This is interesting. Taxes for you and me. Because Jesus says, if you're listening to me and you're with me, I am going to partner with you for your entire life. Um, I find it interesting, too, in the scripture, we, we, we've said this before months ago, is that the sea, the word sea, you know, S-E-A, is, is symbolically many times in the scripture talks about, and the allusion is to humanity. That Jesus tells Peter, go to the sea. And of course, we know the analogy of fish, that Jesus told the men, you're going to be fishers of men. This is a whole other thing concerning mankind and provision. But Jesus is really saying, listen, go to the sea. Your provision is going to come from the resources that are already in humanity. I'm done raining manna from heaven. I'm done bringing water out of the rock. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing something different. Your provision is going to come through a natural resource called mankind. Your, your provision is going to come through the world system. It's, it's going to be miraculous. It's going to be me working with you and you working with me. But I, I, I'm not bringing things. I, I'm not dropping a golden goose laying golden Bitcoin from heaven. Just not doing it. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking that whole parable, remember? And he tells them, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't even save, yet I feed them. Look at the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field. They, 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 don't, they don't toil, they don't spin, they don't, they don't spin their own clothes, they don't, they don't make their own things. I, I, I clothe them, and Solomon, the richest man in the world, wasn't even clothed or, 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 or you know, he didn't have, he didn't have the, 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 the shinola <laughs> like these beautiful flowers. He says, as beautiful as they are, he says, don't you think I can take care of you? You don't have to toil. You don't have to try to make your own way. You're going to have to work. We, we, we know that after the nation of Israel went into the promised land, there was work involved. That all of a sudden, God was going to cause increase and multiply, multiplication to come to them their, through their cattle and, their, and their, their harvesting of crops and their vineyards were going to be multiplied. But it was going to be them cooperating with God, not God doing it by himself. When you work the field, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. I'm going to send the rain. I'm going to give the sun. I'm going to cause your, your, your produce to be increased. I'm going to cause your crops to multiply. I'm going to cause your livestock to be fertile and produce young. So there's going to be increase in your life. So the question would be for all of us, if God says, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to take care of nature, uh, or let me say it this way. If God takes care of nature, won't he take care of us? If God says, I'm going to take care of these flowers, if I'm going to take care of these animals, if I'm going uh, to take care of it all, 
uh, why would we ever worry? That's what Jesus' parable is about in Matthew 6. Why would we ever not want to partner with him? I've said this before, and I'll say it again. From what I see from the scripture, here's the thought. You are not required to meet your own need. You are required to plant your own seed. If you will work on the seed, God will meet your need. But we've got this thing in our lives that we're born with ever since we're able to understand, and our parents tell us this, that you are required to make a living. I don't see that from the scripture. I see from the scripture a principle before that that we need to work on the seed that God gives us so that then we can partner with him and see him do what only he can do, which we would call is a miraculous supply. So we see what God does in the Old Testament, how he started this crazy, uh, ex- uh, uh, extraordinary, supernatural supply, and then that stopped, and God was still involved. He, 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 did, he multiplied what, what they gave them. He took care of them, and there was, uh, there was exceptional things, Elijah, Elisha, some of the things that, went, that we find in the Old Testament. Then we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus with the fish, and we see Jesus with the coin paying taxes, and that's just about it. That's just about it. Then what happens in the New Testament? What happens in the book of Acts and kind of going the, you know, toward the end of the Bible? What happens? What, what does God do there? Does he, does he rain down quail from heaven? Does he feed people with, with, with manna every day? Does he multiply flour and oil? Does he bring water out of the rock? Come on, is, is, is he giving you, does, does all of a sudden at your doorstep there's a gallon of milk every single day because you've got a couple of kids? That all of a sudden, and I'm not talking about somebody dropping. I'm talking about just all of a sudden miraculously appears. That's not what God does. It's not the same as we see in the Old Testament. It's just not. But there is miraculous supply that we find God involved with as you and I make up our minds to live a life and a lifestyle of what we've talked about many times before, which is generosity generosity. That concerning your and my needs being met, we can do it one of two ways. You can grit your strength. You can bust your knuckles. You can go and take all the classes. You can be as smart as knife in the drawer, and you can do it your way. And we know there's all kind of people that we can point to that have no God, don't want God in their life, and, and, and they, they seem like they're prospering. But let me tell you what, the Bible really talks about when you uncover that and look a little closer, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no happiness, there's no gladness, there's no satisfaction. It's them just wanting more. That's not the ambition for the people of God. The ambition for the people of God, if we want more, it's so that we can be more of a blessing. Come on, help a preacher out this morning because I know I'm talking hard. Let me leave you with this thought here, then we're going to read some scriptures here in a minute. Partnering with God, partnering with God in consistent 
and faithful biblical generosity will position you to live a lifestyle of always seeing God sustain you and your family. Listen, partnering with God, consistent, not sporadic. If I don't pay my rent on time or the car payment on time or the whatever on time, if I'm sporadic, they repossess. They come in and get you. And I'm not saying God repossesses. I'm just saying the heart that we have to maintain, that we're required to maintain in this life, God says, Let, give, give me that same heart. Give me that same heart that you put me first. And let me show you how I can miraculously supply your every need. Even in San Diego, as we found out this past week, that we are the highest people in the United States that pay our gas and electric bill. Can you say amen, everybody? And here we are. We still got a little AC on in the building. You still got it on at the house. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, thank you. We can clap for there. Yeah. But we want to partner with God. We want to partner with God. Again, consistent, faithful, biblical generosity. It's going to position you to live a lifestyle of always, that's the key word, always seeing God sustain you and your family. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, look at this verse. We're going to be verse light today. Ephesians 4, 28, look what it says. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Now, if you did a study on this, there's theologians that I've studied that, that look at this and they're, they're, they're conflicted as to what Paul is saying, kind of dropping this verse in the middle of some other, uh, uh, other doctrine. And they're, they're a little bit conflicted by how he starts this. That is, is, is Paul talking to the church and is he talking to the thieves that are at the church at Ephesus? You know, you know they, 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 they got the church going on, but, but y'all got a lifestyle of thievery. And so if you're a thief, what you need to do is steal no longer. But then there's other theologians that believe Paul's not really just talking about stealing, not stealing something from somebody, you know, going around nighttime with a mask on. He's talking about you could actually be a thief if you're not doing what God's called you to do. You could actually be a thief and you could be stealing from the gift, the grace, the talent, the ability that God's deposited in you if you are not doing that desire that God's put in your heart. So he says what you need to do is you need to quit that and you need, you need to labor. You, need, you, you want a miraculous supply in your life? You need to labor and you need to work with your hands that which is good. That's what, what, what I've called you to do, God's saying. That, <laughs> that, you, that, that you can go out and buy a brand new car. That's why you need a good job. You need a good job. Hey, kids, you need a good job because you need to get into a condo. I've told my kids that. You need to get a good job so you can have enough money and you can have a little bit of lifestyle and you can, you know, go to Ensenada a couple times and go down to eat some Baja lobster. The first motivation that we see, look, the first motivation that we see to work and earn money is that you would have something to give. This is not taught in school. This is not taught in most, most Christians don't believe this. Most Christians believe I need to save my money. 
I need to can my money, and I need to sit on the can. No, the Bible says the first thing I can do with the resources God gives me is so that I would have something to give. Then when I start giving, I'm tapping into God's miraculous supply. Come on, somebody help me up here this morning. So I don't know if I heard this or I coined this phrase or not. So if somebody else said this, forgive me. It's really not plagiarism or I give them credit for it. Here it is. This thought here, it's not so you can make a living it's so you can make a giving. Because my flesh nature wants to take all the stuff that I've got and spend it on me. But God says, we're going to break that. I'm going to break greed. We're going to break that in your life. And I want the kingdom of God to advance. So the, the motivation for you working is so that you'll have something to give, that then I will partner with you and I will bless the rest of your life. Amen. Can somebody say amen in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, your labor should bring you satisfaction. Your labor should bring you joy. Your labor should bring you fulfillment. Labor with your hands, the area that God's equipped you, that God's anointed you, that God's, God's leading you in. And the reward of your labor from natural means is that there should be increase in your life and advancement in your life. Again, but at the end of the day, it's God who gave you the ability to do that. So i got to remember the Lord my God. It's him who gives me power to get wealth that he can establish the covenant in the earth. It's so that I'm working not to just make a living. It's not just for me. It's so that I can have resources to honor you and give to you and see the kingdom of God and churches and missionaries and every work going on across the world where Jesus is glorified. Can you say amen, everybody? Amen. So here, as we wind down the last 10 minutes or so I got with you today, how can I do this on a consistent, faithful, diligent basis? How can I see God work miracles in my life? If he's got all kinds of miracles, surely he's going to work in my life in this way, in this very resourceful way, in finances. How can I, how can I make this work? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he tells the Corinthian church, and he's telling us, we're reading it a couple thousand years later, he says this, but this I say in chapter 9, verse 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He says, you and I are in control of this. We're in control of what we do with what we're given. He says, you, 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 can, you can make up your mind to sow sparingly, and guess what you're going to reap? Sparingly. Or you can make up your mind, I'm going to be a sower. I'm going to be a generous person. I'm going to sow bountifully. Because if you do, he says, you're going to reap bountifully. Ever what you do and give to God, God says, okay. Like we read a moment ago. We said a moment ago with, with the pots and Elisha. When, 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 when you said there's no more pots, God said no more oil. No more oil. No more oil. You want to give me $10 a week? Praise the Lord. Guess what I'm going to do? According to whatever you make, if you make $15 a week, you are a supernatural giver. But if you make $1,000 a week, let's be real. Really? Sparingly. And we wonder, how come I'm not seeing God's miraculous supply? 
I'm in control of this. He who sows will reap according to how they sow. And he goes on to say, and he talks about this in depth here for us. So let each one give, verse 7. So let each one give. Not, not the rich people give. Not the single people give. Not, 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 not the retired people now that, 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 that they've, they've done well with their money. And the, not the entrepreneurs give. <laughs> each one. I'm, I'm a each one. You are too. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. I got a purpose. I got to make up my mind. I, I got to see God's miraculous power in my life. E either, either this stuff works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, just get on down the road, Lord. I, I'm done. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I have. It's got to work. Got to put, put God to the test. Not grudgingly or of necessity. I'm not going to give it grudgingly, arm twisting, or of necessity. I've got to. It, it, because you got to. That's the wrong motivation. For God loves a what? A, a, a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. Man. So it's not only what I give, sparingly or bountifully, it's how I give. How I give. How I give. So I was thinking about this this past week, just concerning this, because it says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. In his heart. I got a purpose in my heart. And here's the problem for a lot of us, me included, a lot of different times. Here it is. If you don't shut off your head, your head will try to dominate your heart. Got to shut off my head. God, do you not know what it takes to live here? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. But uh, ask the, answer the question. Got to answer the question. Are you at the Brook Cherith? Elijah? Are you at the city Zarephath? Elijah? If you are, guess what I'm going to do? God talking. I'm going to sustain you. Houses can get to be five million a condo. And God says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm going to trust God. But I gotta shut off my head. How can I give to you? What are you gonna do? God says, if you'll give to me first, I'll bless miraculously the rest. Don't unhook from me here. Verse 8, it gets better. Verse 8, look what he says. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Man, we know about grace and favor in all kinds of ways. God says, you get partner in me, finances. You're going to start seeing my grace and my favor. God's able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, check out these words, always having all sufficiency, not deficiency, sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Thanks for your underwhelming enthusiasm. Come on, everybody. This is exciting to me. I don't know how you're going to do it. How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it?
You're not getting water the rock. I know that. I know that. You're not causing manna. Come on. Come on. Amazon ain't coming to my house bringing packages to me that I didn't order. If they do and I keep it, I'm a thief. That's not the blessing of God. It's not. God says, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. You give me, you tithe, you be generous, you give offerings, you support the poor. You let me, let me handle your money for you. You budget the rest. God's able to make all grace abound toward me. That me, me, 20-year-old me, 40-year-old me, mortgage, 80-year-old me, retired, limited income, whatever your deal. Always having all sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance. So we know from this is this. Sufficiency is about your need being met. Abundance is about others' needs being met through you. One more time. God is able to make all grace abound toward me. That I always have all sufficiency my God shall supply all my need in a manner consistent with his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My needs being met. Food on the table, roof over the head, transportation, enough clothes to look sharp. Sufficiency. But abundance. Always have all sufficiency in all things and I may have an abundance for every good work. Abundance is what God wants to do through me. You give me more than enough. You just give me more than enough. He goes on to say, we're going to finish with this verse in verse 10. Let's check that out, Amy, verse 10. This is talking about us, his people. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, this is God. God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This end here is somewhat of a mystery that if we delve deep in it, some people might get upset. But there's something about our right standing with God that is connected to our ability to release ourselves from the finances of the world. There's something about it. He's going to supply. Any sowers in here? I want to be a sower. Anybody, anybody come on. Anybody beside me want to be a sower? You have a bigger sower? I'm going to be a bigger sower. I'm going to get a bigger field. Bigger field. He said he's going to supply seed to the sower. But guess what he's going to do too? He tells me he's going to give me bread for food. It's not either or. It's both and. Do you see that? Not either or, it's both and. But notice what he's going to bring the increase to. He's going to increase your store of seed. He's going to give you more and more opportunity to be a blessing to more and more people. More and more opportunity to trust him and him to give you more and more bread <laughs> to live on and then to give. It will never, ever end.
unless you say, Father, there are no more jars. My challenge as we close out this series is that we be a church, that we be a people that constantly are stretched to say, Father, I know what you've done. I know what I have. But I want you to use me in this season. That's crazy. Crazy time right now. A lot of different opportunities, a lot of different obstacles. But use me. Use me with the resources I have. I was always challenging our church, even back in 2020, when, pardon me, but the government was giving out money hand over fist to families. And I was saying, if you remember, if we can't give God something that we didn't earn or work for, what is the matter with us? It's a freebie. It's a freebie. It's free. Free money. But our problem is that we just get attached and it's got a hold on us. So I've got to break the hold of it so that I can see God's miraculous supply continually. There will be times in your life, listen to me, where God does things that you just can't figure out how he does. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for entrepreneurs. It's for every single person. You could walk into the job tomorrow and what I've heard from some of you, all of a sudden, just got a raise at random. What's that? Just the goodness of God. Just the goodness of God. Entrepreneurs, business stuff just starts coming in. Uh, opportunities, you know, jobs and all, all kind of things just happen. Just, just the goodness of God. Be faithful with the little you have. And the Bible says you'll be ruler over much. It will increase. It will increase. He gives seed to sow. And he gives bread to eat. Can you say amen? Let's believe God for miracles in the financial realm as well. Amen, everybody. Come on, you agree with that? Yeah. Come on, you've been sitting for a while. Stand up. Would you do that? Father, we pray that right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for every widow that you'd sustain her. Every widower, you'd sustain them, Lord God. We pray for the young. We pray for the, the college students. You'd sustain them, Lord God. Father, with tuition and things that they need, that you'd sustain the young marrieds, that you'd sustain the marrieds with kids and all kinds of things that need to happen with our kids, that you'd sustain us, Lord God, for those in college and paying for college tuition. But Father God, we know from the Scripture that we see that our heart has to be in our giving. That you're after our heart. So Father, if the love of the world or the hold of the world or fear or whatever it is, worry, anxiety, what happens if I give? Will, will I have enough? Oh loving Father, would you minister to your people today that you're for us? You're with us. And just like from the beginning of your ministry to the end of your ministry, Jesus, 
you showed the disciples there is a miraculous supply when I'm involved in your life. And so we say, Lord Jesus, let our hearts be full more and more today of who you are and what you want to do for us and through us. In Jesus' name, Ebe said amen. Come on, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on. I, I, I believe we're going to see God do some amazing things. Would you do, come on, would you just, this week, talk, talk to your spouse, talk to yourself, talk to whoever you need to talk to. Like, what do we need to do? What, what do we need to do to just give God more room? Come on, just have a bold conversation. What do we need to do? Are we doing that? Are we honoring God? Honor God with your substance, the first fruits of all your, vats of flow with wine, and new things are going to happen. Are we doing that? If we're not, let's, let's start making some adjustments. And let's see God work in 2022 like he never has before. Amen, everybody? Come on, amen. 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 And if you're doing it, let's stretch a little bit more. Let's just stretch a little bit more. Just look around. How can I be a blessing? Like I've said before, you, you go downstairs, you might see a couple kids with some old shoes. Come on. Ask somebody if you can buy them some shoes. See somebody in a situation, just slip them some money. All right? Just like they used to say, the Pentecostal handshake. Come on, somebody. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is, don't you? Got a couple hundred or a hundred dollars in your, in your hand and just... Don't you make, the Bible says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Don't need a big show, right? Don't, don't need a big show. Don't need a billboard. I don't need a big thing. I gave a check to, I don't need that. You got your reward. Do it in secret. See what God does. See what God does. He's going to take care of you. Miraculously. Miraculously going to take care of you. I've seen it. We've seen it all our married life. I've seen it now in my kids' lives. Man, God just taking care of them. Like, wow, you're just really good. They're knuckleheads, God, but you're really good. Because <laughs> he's just faithful, right? He's just faithful. Hey, today as we close, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's partner with him in giving him your life right now so that when you leave this life, you'll know for sure where you're going to go. The scripture's real clear. Heaven and hell are realities. Jesus talked about it. It's a lot of debate right now. A lot of debate in a lot of churches. Is hell really, really real? Listen, Jesus talked about it. It's real.